As mentioned before, uh, we were originally planning to continue in our series in Exodus, um, but the Lord has really pressed a different topic uh, on my heart for us this morning. And so we'll continue with Exodus next week, but today I want to take a look at a praying church. While I have you guys here in the locker room, so to speak, I felt that I needed to address an important topic with the team. So if you're visiting or you're new, welcome. But just as a heads up, today's message is more geared towards uh, our household and some housekeeping issues that we need to talk about. But I hope that you're encouraged and challenged as you join us today. For some time now, as I've engaged with many individuals over visitations, counseling sessions, teaching, and various other meetups, and as I've worked alongside and coordinated and spoke with many of the ministry leaders, it dawned on me with a tremendous burden that prayer, for the most part, is missing. Prayer, for the most part, is missing in our lives as individuals, and the Lord convicted me of this as well. It's lacking and missing for the most part as foundational pillars of our ministries and as a whole, even for our congregation. Team, we are not praying. And I'm afraid that as we continue, we can find ourselves in a dangerous place of just going through the motions of church, of just playing church. And we're not exercising our faith with with the proper form that is prayer. Like working out, if your form is not good, then you're not going to get the gains that you're looking for. Worse, you might even get injured. Posture, form is important to exercise as much as it is for exercising our own faith. So we're straining, but not gaining because we're not praying. And for many of you guys, I'm sure you feel this. If you are a head of a ministry, if you are one of the leaders, if you are a Bible study teacher, if you are even a congregant that comes and you're a member, perhaps that you sense the same thing. I want us to look at a quote here by English evangelist Leonard Ravenhall, and this is what he says, if we can click. Let the fires go out in the boiler room of the church, and the place will still look smart and clean, but it will be cold. The prayer room is the boiler room for its spiritual life. Now, I resounded with this because personally, At home, we've had some issues in our boiler room several times. And one thing, as I look back, I I realize this. When when there's issues in, in the boiler room, in the basement, in the closet, wherever you have yours, when there's issues in that department of the house, you don't really notice it at first. You don't notice it right away. You go in, you turn on your lights, the lights work fine. The furniture is still all in order. Everything's in place or out of place the way you left it. And there's no writings on the wall. You have have no warning. But as time goes by, 
you notice the cold slowly creeping in until you realize that the fire went out. You don't know when or for how long, but you know indeed that something is wrong. And so, team, brothers and sisters, fellow saints here today, from what I can tell, I think we have some boiler room issues. We might not notice it quite yet because as a congregation, we're, we're rather financially stable, we're involved in missions, we have weekly Bible studies, and we even have visitors and newcomers join us on Sundays. But take a look at our prayer room. We meet over there at Saturdays, 9 o'clock, by the way. I think you'll notice that the fire at best is flickering. You might not feel it, but I feel the cold creeping in. And if we don't address this, brothers and sisters, we will not be ready for the season of ministry that is to come. So today, I have a gospel challenge for us, church. A gospel challenge. The gospel challenge, click please, is dig for a praying church. Dig for a praying church. And I want us to consider three things today as the Word of God looks into us. Why do we pray? What do we pray? And how do we pray? If I were to take a poll here and ask you who thinks prayer is important, almost all of us would unanimously say yes. If I were to ask who here wants to be at a church that prays, almost unanimously all of us would say yes. But if I were to ask how many of us are praying, I fear what the response may be. Church, we have a challenge today as the Word of God looks into us to dig for a praying church. What does this mean? We'll look at this in three parts, as we said. First, why do we pray? If you look at verse 13, click, John is writing this. He says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. John is writing to, to do two things here. He's, he's writing to encourage those who believe in the name of the Son of God so that they would have assurance of their eternal life. He writes something very similar in the fourth gospel, John 20, 21. He says, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John wants to encourage his readers to start. He says, if you believe in the name of Jesus, the Son of God, then you can be well and full assured that you have eternal life. He's that take that as a guarantee. You can take it to the bank. The Holy Spirit made a deposit on you already. If you believe in Jesus as the Son of God, you believe in his name, be assured that you have eternal life. But he continues, right, after he sums up basically in a nutshell the gospel message, the good news, as he says, those who believe that Jesus died for their sins will have newness of life, just as Jesus was raised from the dead. John encourages, and then he follows with rather a bit of a challenge. He says, be confident. 
Be confident that God gives us eternal life and that be confident that we can draw near to him and pray. If we look at verse 14 to 15, this is what he continues to say. And this is the confidence that we have towards him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. Now, I want us to think about this because sometimes when the preacher gets loud or when the preacher has to point something out, all of a sudden we feel this inundation of Christian guilt. And all of a sudden we're just like, I'm such a terrible person. I'm horrible. I don't even belong here. You're right. I'm terrible. Or we're like, I don't, I don't really, I don't, you don't know what you're talking about. Either or we have some kind of defense mechanism that flies up. But what we have today is not just a challenge, but also an encouragement. In fact, we have an encouragement coming from a challenge and a challenge coming from an encouragement. In high school, my football coach on days, either in the weight room or out on the field for practice, on days that were particularly tough, he would walk into the locker room, he would, he would walk onto the field and he would call us all together and he would say, I just wanna let you know right now that today's gonna be hard. So let's get better. And he, he said this not to make us scared or not to make us want to quit. He said this to challenge us and to encourage us. I want to let you know right off the bat, it's going to be a tough one. So let's get stronger today. Let's get faster today. Today's going to be tough, but tomorrow will be stronger. And I always appreciated that because I knew that as he was pushing me, that it wasn't just punishment. It wasn't just him, him being entertained by our pain. He was encouraging us. He was reminding us, this will be hard, but keep going. You can do it. It'll be for the better. And church, that's what I, I want to say to you today. Today's going to be a difficult one. But if we heed the words, if we soften our hearts, I really believe that we will grow as a praying church. So why do we pray? Why do we pray? John says, because when we believe in the name of Jesus, we have eternal life. And if that is set and that is secure, then we have confidence to go to God and ask anything of him according to his will. Why do we pray? We pray because... Praying is an act of faith that shows we have confidence in God. By praying, we are taking hold of the assurance that when we believe in Jesus, our entire lives for all eternity is secure. It's all-inclusive. We pray in confidence because when we know we have eternal life, everything else in our life is secure. It's an all-expense-paid Right? When you go on a cruise where everything is paid, you don't go, hey, honey, what do you think? Should we pack the toothbrush? No! I'm going to use the hard, stiff one from the hotel. I love it. Should we pack the soap? It's all-inclusive. What are we going to do for meals? It's all-inclusive. You don't worry about the little things because it's all-inclusive. When we have eternal life, it's all-inclusive. Everything is in God's hands. Your family, your work, your careers, your struggles your obstacles, your ups and your downs. So if you believe that, 
then we ought to have confidence. You know, a while back when uh, my wife was pregnant with our first son, uh, I was uh, still in seminary. I was um, working on se- at, at seminary, cutting grass, serving in the youth group. Uh, my wife um, had maternity leave pending. And financially, we were just scattered all over the place. And we finally realized, well, you know what, we've got to sit down. We've got to figure out where we are. All right, you're going to get this amount reduced for maternity leave. And this is what you'll bring in. This is what I'm bringing in. When the baby comes with the medical bills, blah, 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 are we going to make it? We sat down. We crunched the numbers as best we could. And we realized we were going to be um, uh, uh, at least a fistful short, uh, a couple thousand. And I started thinking to myself, crazy things. It started small. All right, I've got to sell this. I can sell that. I can do this. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll call that guy. <laughs> and I said, whoa, Walt, slow down. And I remember my wife and I were so distressed. She's, she's pregnant, far along. We're anticipating maternity leave. I'm working a couple jobs. I believe she was still tutoring at the time, too, along with her job. And, and I just said, let's pray, genuinely. We were so at the end, we, were, we started to cry, and, and I didn't see a, a way that we could get through it, and I just started to pray. My wife and I prayed. And if I'm honest, after the prayer, we were hopeful, but we didn't know the details. We didn't know how God was going to do it, what he was going to do, through who he was going to do it, but we had confidence that we just prayed to God, who created us, and created that baby that Glow is carrying. We drew near to God in confidence. Brothers and sisters, if we are not praying, it shows that we have no confidence in God. If, if you are not praying, it means you have no confidence in God. It shows that you have actually too much confidence in yourself. I find myself in that position a lot in ministry. I'm well-trained. I have a good education. I'm well-gifted. I can preach and teach and some sorts of things pretty well. And I find myself relying on those things until the Lord, out of his graciousness, allows my work to be fruitless. So I can look up and remember, is my confidence in God and what he's doing or in myself? Brothers and sisters, we need to have confidence in God. We need to start praying and trusting in him from the smallest things to the biggest things, to the toothbrushes of our all-inclusive life, to the airfare of our all-inclusive life, big or small. We need to have confidence in God. That's why we pray. We pray because our confidence is in the almighty, all-sovereign God. So I want to ask you guys honestly, if you think about your lives, brothers and sisters, if you've been doing it on your own strength, whether it's work, raising children, saving money, trying to achieve financial stability, climbing up in the corporate ladder, school, graduate school, more school, even the ministries in our church, have you been doing it in your own confidence? Then odds are you're probably not seeing a lot of fruit and you're being frustrated. But let that frustration lead you to realize 
that God wants you to have confidence in him. Stop trusting in your own abilities. Have confidence in God. That's why Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Even if we fall a couple times, even if we stumble many times, even if we mess up a lot of times, we can do it because if our confidence is in God, then he is the one giving us the strength. And so then we can do all things through him who strengthens us. We can do all things according to his will. Have confidence in God. Have confidence in God and not in yourselves. If we look in verse 21, it reminds us, as he ends, little children, keep yourselves from idols. What we're being told is, if we're not praying to God, then we're praying to an idol. If we're not trusting in God, then we're trusting in an idol. If we don't have confidence in God, then we have confidence in an idol. What do you have confidence in? What are you trusting in? What are you hoping and praying to? That is your God. But I urge you, brothers and sisters, have confidence in the one and only true God who hears prayers and even so answers them. So why do we pray? We pray because we have confidence in God Almighty. Then what do we pray? If we look in verse 14, it says this. It tells us that we pray according to his will. Basically, for his will to be done. Luke 24, 42, we see Jesus in the garden praying this. He says, Father, knowing that the cross is ever before him, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. The heart of true prayer is always this. Not my will, but your will be done. This is at the heart of every true prayer. Not my will, God, but your will. So I want to remind us that when we pray, have confidence. And when we pray, pray that God's will be done in our lives. Now that's a hard prayer. That's not a one-time type of thing. That's not something you just say in a flicker, in a moment. That is something you commit to. That is something you go after. Brothers and sisters, prayer shapes prayer. Prayer shapes prayer. What do I mean by that? The more we dig, if digging is an analogy for praying, the more we dig, the closer to his will, his heart, his desires, and the treasures that are stored up for us we get. Let me put it to you in this way, in someone else's words. Click. Prayer is not so much about moving God to a responsive action so much as it is given to bring a believer to greater confidence. Prayer isn't given to us so that we can say, God, please, please do what I want. 
prayer is given to us so that we say, God, please help me to do what you want. Prayer is not given to us so we can say, God, please come here. Prayer is given to us so that we can say, God, please take me where you are. Prayer shapes prayer. So as we pray this, most of us undoubtedly, we start at a place where we want God just to answer our prayers as is. God, I need money. A child is coming. We're financially strapped. We need financial security. I just need a couple thousand dollars. You can put it in the mailbox, and I'll praise you for it. Right? That's one of our prayers. It's, it's just it's simple, and that's okay. That's where we start most of the time. But as we continue to pray... And as the Lord shapes our prayers, because he doesn't just want to give us a check, actually he wants to shape our prayers, our hearts, so that it'll be more like his, so that eventually that prayer turns into, Lord, whether I have much or whether I have little, I have confidence that you will take care of us. Even if the help doesn't come in monetary form, even if the help doesn't come in the way I think I need it, I trust you, Lord, anything. I trust you. I'll wait for you. Prayer shapes prayer. If we are praying properly, if we are being faithful in prayer, our prayers should start to change. How come God doesn't answer prayers? One big reason is because he wants to shape our prayers. He wants to say, don't dig here, dig here. Why? Because if you dig here, there's only pennies and nickels. You dig here, there are eternal treasures. God doesn't always answer our prayers because one big reason, we're digging for pennies. And God wants us to dig for treasure. Pursue God by praying as if you are digging. John Calvin puts it this way beautifully. Please click. We dig up by prayer the treasures that were pointed out by the Lord's gospel in which our faith has gazed upon. We dig up by prayer the treasures that were pointed out to us by Jesus. We're being told that when we pray, we're digging for treasure. But here's what a lot of us are doing. I brought a prop for us today. Oh, I gotta dig for prayer? I'm ready, Lord. Let me dig. I don't see anything. Nah, whatever. That's what a lot of our prayer life looks like. But as we persist in prayer, what does God want to do? He says, one, you're digging in the wrong spot. Two, look at that shovel. God wants us to pray in a different way. Great, no one took it. God says, don't dig there with that kind of shovel. He says, dig here with this shovel. If digging is analogous to prayer, what God is saying is, get your big shovel out and dig where I tell you and see if you don't find riches, comfort, rest, joy, pleasure, satisfaction that you've always wanted. Dig here. 
If God's not answering your prayers, whatever you're praying for or hoping for, put your little shovel down. Pick up the big shovel and dig and dig and dig because prayer shapes prayer. Prayer shapes prayer. The more you dig, the more your prayers will be refined, and the more your prayers are refined, the closer it'll be to God's desire and joy for you. Brothers and sisters, what do we pray? We pray that your will be done, not mine. Your will be done, not mine. Brothers and sisters, keep praying. Keep pursuing the Lord in prayer. Let me give you a practical example. I shared with you my own story. I thought in those moments of trouble, I thought that all I needed was just, just, just a couple thousand dollars to get through what was to come when God was actually trying to teach me, no, whenever a bill comes, whenever financial hardships hit, you can know that I got you. You can know that I have your back. You can know that I will take care of you whatever shape or form. You can have comfort. You don't even have to worry about how it's going to happen. I will take care of you. Pray, have confidence in me, and let me do my will and see if it's not better than yours. And so many of you guys are praying for things in your careers, in your families, in your schooling, in your hardships and obstacles even. And even in the toughest ugliest scenarios, God is saying, keep praying. I am making you beautiful and perfect like my son. Keep praying. I am changing your heart to be like mine. You don't need this. You need this. You don't need what, what, what is just on the surface. You don't need pennies and nickels. You need treasure that lasts for all eternity. So the heart of true prayer is that we ask for God's will to be done and not ours. And you know what happens when we start to pray like that? Some of you guys, some of you guys, whether in youth group or high school, indeed had a very fervent prayer life. And you've experienced what that was like before, and you think just because you got older that it's not going to happen again. Or some of us are still young in our faith and we, th we think, I'm never going to be that mature. I'm never going to be that spiritual. But as we pray and God shapes our prayers and our hearts, you know what happens? As we dig and dig and dig, it starts to change us. It starts to give us a spiritual awareness. It starts to open our eyes so that we can see through the eyes of faith, not just in an earthly way. Prayer is how our earthly eyes become spiritual eyes. Prayer is how we become spiritually aware and sensitive to what God is doing. You know what I noticed about the old school guys, the guys who are a little radical, the guys who, who still fast, the guys who go to prayer retreats, get on their knees, pray out loud, bang the floor? You know what I noticed about these old school guys, that they have an energy and a power and a confidence, yet a poise, a calmness, and a stillness. You know what happens when life bumps up against guys like this who praise? 
You know what happens when life bumps up against people like that? They pray and mountains are moved. And some of us have been witnesses of that. They pray, they dig, they have confidence in God, and they continue to dig and dig and dig some more. And they have a heightened awareness of what God is doing in their life and in the lives of even people around them. When we pray, brothers and sisters, we start to have a heightened awareness of what God is doing, the idols he is trying to topple, the areas he's trying to sanctify, the darkness he's trying to shine light in. When we pray for others, we start to have a spiritual awareness of how to love them better, how to walk with them better, how to encourage them, and even in a godly way, how to correct them and teach them. Don't you dare talk to another brother or sister or confront them if you haven't prayed for them. When we pray, we have a, a growing spiritual awareness of what God is doing. When we pray for others, we have a growing spiritual awareness of what God is doing in their lives. You ever have one of those old school pastors come up to you? I feel like the Lord as I was praying for you, wanted me to encourage you with this, dot, dot, dot. And you're like, whoa, okay, yeah, that, that makes total sense. All the things that are happening, I, I feel like that's, that's true. Let me pray about it too. Have you ever experienced that moment? That came from a person who was deep in prayer. That came from a person who's so deep in the ground with a shovel, you can't even see him because he's on another level. He has a spiritual awareness. Again, a football illustration, I apologize. I'm limited, my experiences are minute. When I was in high school playing football, at some points I was on the defensive line. I would get down in the stands just to show you, but I'm gonna rip every thread in my garment. And I was, as I was in my four-point stance as a defensive line, we had a linebacker, his name was Carpenter, number 40. We had uh, Johnson, 44, big cats, had a great nose for the ball. Both ended up going to play football in college, but that's not important. What they would do when it got really tough, they would come and they would pat me. They'd say, dig deep, dig deep, let's go. Say, dig deep, dig deep. I love that. I don't know why. I love that so much. Dig deep, dig deep. Pat me on the back. Dig deep, let's go, dig deep. You know what I do? I just dig the tip of my cleats in more. You know, a big dude like me, if I'm, if I'm digging, I'm gonna go pretty, pretty, pretty deep into the ground. Dig deep, dig deep. If you are in a place in your life right now where you're in between two decisions, where you have so many moving parts, when you have multiple tabs open and you're trying to keep track and figure out what decisions you gotta make, if you are wondering if you should switch your major, your career, your location, your church, your girlfriend or boyfriend, I don't know, whatever you're thinking, dig deep. If it's a decision that is weighty, then it's worth digging deep and praying and seeking the Lord's counsel. Dig deep. Keep digging and don't stop. Calvin says this, ceasing to pray when God does not answer us quickly is the surest mark that we have never become a believer. 
Calvin is saying, if we just pray and we're so discouraged that we just stop praying, that's probably a good sign that you are not a Christian or at least right now you are not faithful to the call of Christ. He links our Christian life to prayer so that he can say, if we're not praying, then you better think twice about your Christianity. If you are not praying, you better think twice if you really trust and have confidence in God. If you dig once or twice and you say, well, that's it, you need to check yourself before the Lord and ask, did I really say yes to Jesus, to picking up my cross and following him, or was that just in the moment? It's a reality check, brothers and sisters. If you are digging once or twice and you stop, you have to ask yourselves, yeah, I, I am a Christian, but am I being faithful right now then? Don't stop digging. When God doesn't answer our prayers, he's not punishing us. He's aiming our shovel somewhere better. He says, dig here, not there. Click Matthew 13, gives us this beautiful picture. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. The man dug. He found treasure, found the kingdom of heaven. With much joy, he covered it up. He went and sold everything and came back so that he can buy that land. What he found when he was digging was so precious, he went and sold everything and came and bought this land so that he can have this treasure. Because to him, what he found in his excavation was more valuable, more precious, more beautiful, more eternal than anything he owned in his possession. He sold everything, all. A Christian is someone who has given everything for the kingdom of God. Not this and that and a little bit of that. Everything. Remember when Christ called you, brothers and sisters. Did he not call you to die for a better life? Did he not call you to give up everything for eternity? Did he not say, those things will fade, but this will last forever? Those things moths will chew up, but this will be forever. You know, these are prayers that I find that in the church and as individuals, we do not pray anymore. And I have this insert in my Bible I hate it and I love it. And it's just a piece of paper. Well, maybe it's, it's, it's a cardstock. Someone spent a little money at least to make it you know, last. And I remember I went to a retreat. I went to a retreat, preacher preached, it's convicting, and basically said, as Christians, we gotta start praying, Lord Jesus, anything, anytime, anywhere, I'm ready. He says, if you're not willing to do that, then you haven't really said yes to Christ. 
If you're not willing to say, Lord Jesus, anything, anytime, anywhere, I am ready, then you haven't answered the call of Christ. But he says, today I urge you, answer the call of Christ. If you feel so convicted, if you felt so led, whether you've been a Christian your whole life or grown up in the church or you got baptized last week, I want to urge you, brothers and sisters, to pray these radical types of prayer of Lord Jesus, anything, at any time, at any place, I am ready. I took this very seriously because the preacher also warned us, if you sign this before God, I mean, this itself is nothing. It's a piece of paper. Not a lot of people have seen it, so no one really knows that I could just go back on it. But if you sign this paper before the face of God, he said, you know what's going to happen? Get ready. He says that he's going to come knocking one day. And he's going to say, let's go, son. Let's go, daughter. We got work to do. And I got so many better things for you. He warned us. He said, if you're going to pray a radical prayer like that, get ready for the Lord to come knocking. Because he's going to hold you to that in joy. You know what happened shortly after I signed this? We, so we have to sign it, and then it's amazing. I love it. It's, it's so brilliant. And they say, witness by. I need to get a co-signer, right? I needed to get um, accountability, we call it, I think, in the Christian world. So I thought to myself, if I'm really going to be faithful to this, I need to have my mom and dad be okay with it because I, I could do something crazy. And at that time, I was like, I need at least my mom and dad to sign off on it. I, I told them what it was about. They're like, ah, he came back from another retreat. He's hyped. Go ahead, we'll sign it. You know what happened shortly after this, brothers and sisters? This simple prayer changed my life forever. My parents were so upset. I said, I think the Lord's calling me to ministry. No! I'm like, I told you, Mom and Dad, you made me go on to all those retreats, those mission trips. You should have let me play club sports. Nothing against club sports. I said, Mom and Dad, I really feel like God's calling me to ministry. They're joyful now, but at first, it was really tough for them. And I wrestled with it a lot. But that was the most liberating and freeing things that the Lord has challenged me to do, to pray this prayer of, Lord Jesus, anything, anytime, anywhere, I'm ready. Can you make that commitment before the Lord today, brothers and sisters? Can you make that kind of commitment before your Father who is calling you? You know, just to be a little bit blunt, when I talk to some brothers, older and young, I've been hearing more and more about this thing that is referred to as the, the midlife crisis. And would you believe it? Now we also have quarter-life crises. A Christian, brothers and sisters, men, ought to have one crisis in their life, and that is when you say, yes, Lord, because at that moment, you have given it all up already. There's no room for any other crises. Things might get tough, but your one and final crisis is done, and you are living on the other side of the cross. Brothers and sisters, the last challenge, can you pray that prayer? Anything, anytime, anywhere, I'm ready. And after service today, 
I know we don't really give out concrete challenges, but if you feel led this week only in the bulletin, on the notes, that's the prayer. You can sign it, keep it in your Bible forever, get it laminated. But the real deal is, can you pray that? Lastly, very quickly, then how do we pray? Right? We pray, God, your will, not mine. And we keep praying, 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 digging, digging, digging. How do we do this? This is where we struggle the most. Practically speaking, how do we do this? Click, please. I want to give us four practical ways very quickly. First, set aside your pride. When my child first started to learn to speak, he couldn't say everything properly. I didn't say, Aish, ashamed of you. No, he was a kid. He was learning how to talk. It started out with babbles, right? He, some of your children, if, if you're Korean, my, my son would say, Hamani, Habaji. I'm not sitting there going, Harapoji, Haimoni. He can't enunciate. He's still a child, he's learning. But you know what's beautiful? When my son would call his grandparents, grandma and grandpa, Hamani, Habaji, they would say, Oh, Hamani's here, Habaji's here. They would come to his level, they would speak in his language, they would embrace him. Set aside your pride. If you haven't been praying, if you've never prayed, start somewhere. It's gonna feel awkward, you're gonna feel silly, but pray, get together with someone and pray. This is, this is another a beautiful quote that John Calvin says, but God tolerates even our stammering and pardons our ignorance, allowing us to gain familiarity with him in prayer, even though it be babbling manners. Right? Timmy's grandparents, he's not, he's not calling them in a proper way, but what do they do? They give him grace and they even say, Hamani's here, Habaji's here. And they're allowing him to gain familiarity with them. Set aside your pride, start. Second practical thing, set aside time. We're so busy. We're so busy. And you know, when we read books about prayers from theologians back in the day, they say, we're like, those guys had so much time. They could do that. My life is so busy. But it's not like they had 36 hours in a day. It's not like they had more hours than us. It's the same 24 hours. It's not like they had the productivity that we have. They didn't have the iPhone, the apps. You know what's crazy? When we want to send mail, we could do it in two seconds, maybe two minutes if Google is struggling. Back then, in the same 24 hours, they want to send the mail. Hey, I wrote this. Can you take this on the sea? Can you, can you cross by land? Can you go over this mountain and deliver this message? Yeah, sure, I, can, I think I can do it in eight months. Beautiful, I'll wait. Tell her I'll be waiting. We think we're so busy. We think we're more busy than the people back then. But the reality is we're not more busy, we're more distracted. We have more priorities. We have more things fighting for our attention. We need to set aside time. Set a time to pray. Don't give me the I'm too busy or I don't have time. Set time, and especially in the morning, whether it's in bed or in your room before you leave or even in the shower, not while you're driving because too many things happen and you get angry. Spend 
time praying. If you don't dig it out and if you don't start that hole every morning, you're never going to pick up your shovel. Start in the morning and get some digging in. Let me read you this. This, this is a little bit lengthy, but it's beautiful. This is what Bonhoeffer says about setting time aside in the morning. He said, for Christians, the beginning of the day should not be burdened and oppressed with besetting concerns for the day's work. At the threshold of the new day stands the Lord who made it. All the darknesses and distractions of the dreams of night retreat before the clear light of Jesus Christ and his wakening word. All unrest, all impurity, all care and anxiety flee before him. Therefore, at the beginning of the day, let all distraction and empty talk be silenced and let the first thought and the first word belong to him to whom our whole life belongs. Whew. The old guys, they knew, how, they knew how to say it. And I know what you're thinking. Yeah, but doesn't it say in 1 Thessalonians 5.17 to pray without ceasing? I'm always praying, Pastor. I'm always praying. You know, the people who usually use that excuse, the reality is you're not praying, you're just worrying all the time. You're not actually taking it to the Lord. Pray, designate time, and also pray without ceasing. Third, set aside strength. Hudson Taylor, the great missionary, said, do not work so hard for Christ that you have no strength to pray. For prayer requires strength. Prayer requires strength. If praying means digging, you need to do that when you have strength. You need to make sure you have strength for that. And lastly, set aside doubts. We pray in the precious name of Jesus, brothers and sisters. We draw near to God in confidence. We know that all his promises find their yes in Jesus. We know that the Spirit intercedes for us and groans for us. We know that Jesus intercedes for us. And we're reminded in James, when we pray, pray in faith, not in doubt. Having confidence in God that he will hear it and shape us to his will and answer it. Pray with confidence. And if your prayer time is done and you are not confident, go another mile until you feel confident in the Lord. If you enter prayer, do not leave prayer hopeless. Make sure you leave prayer confident. So the gospel challenge, brothers and sisters, is to dig for a praying church. Can we respond in prayer?